press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, November 7. Global politics has been shaken by a major escalation in Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine. Two missiles landing on Polish territory, killing two civilians. Poland is a member of the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation, the world's most powerful military alliance, in which an attack on one is considered an attack on all. And then we're going to collectively determine our next step as we investigate and proceed. There was total unanimity among the folks at the table. We support Ukraine fully in this moment. We have since the start of this conflict and we continue to do whatever it takes to give them the capacity to defend themselves. World leaders, including Joe Biden, gathered for an emergency roundtable in Bali, where Anthony Albanese is seeking to reset Australia's regional relationships, including with China, at the G20 summit. Russia's reckless and dangerous use of force promote danger for the entire region, and I send my condolences uh, to Poland on the loss of life. Later in the episode, our foreign editor, Greg Sheridan, will step us through what we know and what it all means for Australians and the world. Donald Trump is back for a third successive presidential election, announcing he'll stand in 2024. That's despite the fact he's being widely blamed for the Republicans' patchy showing in America's congressional elections. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Mining companies unite to attack a Labor government. Sound familiar? It's 2008 all over again. Back then, mining giants successfully shot down Kevin Rudd's mining super profits tax. This time, they're firing a shot over Anthony Albanese's bowels about tax hikes, industrial relations reform and emissions reductions targets. The Australians revealed the government is considering a new tax on gas and thermal coal to help smaller businesses through crippling energy price hikes That's got the big miners worried. On Wednesday, two missiles struck a small Polish village on the Ukrainian border, killing two people. What we understand is that missiles have crossed the border uh, about 40 kilometres north of Lviv inside Polish territory. Poland is, of course, a member of the NATO Security Alliance, and that's why this is such a significant development. Greg Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor and joins me now. Greg, of course, we know that when Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukraine wanted to become a member of NATO. De facto, we have already NATO. De facto, we... The Kremlin has denied it was responsible for the blast, Why does it matter so much now that a NATO member country has been quite literally caught in the crossfire? Now, NATO is the strongest military alliance in the world, and it says in Article 5, an attack on one NATO member is an attack on all NATO members. Poland is a member of NATO, so is the United States. So if Russia attacks Poland, it has, under the NATO provisions, attacked the United States. 
When it comes to our security commitments uh, and Article 5, we've been crystal clear that we will defend every inch of NATO territory. The conventional wisdom was that the Americans had made a mistake by extending NATO eastwards from the 1990s right up to the Russian border. My objection to them doing that was that it sort of devalued the quality of an American alliance because I didn't think they would be serious about defending all the Baltic states and all the other East European members of NATO. The conventional sort of Henry Kissinger doubt about it was that they thought it was provocative to Russia. And Russia has been invading bits and pieces of its eastern periphery for the last 10 or 15 years. However, the fact of the matter is Russia has not taken direct military action against any of its East European neighbours who are members of NATO. So being a member of NATO is a very big deterrent. And now I would say that the NATO expansion looks to have been very prudent. And now we have Sweden and Finland also wanting to join NATO. Now there's no real suggestion Russia would take action against them. They're modern nations with modern armed forces. If Ukraine had been a member of NATO, Russia would not have attacked it. And when Ukraine gave up its possession of nuclear weapons in 1994, Russia, Britain and America signed security guarantees promising Ukraine that its borders would be inviolate and secure forever after. And Russia didn't honour that agreement. It stole Crimea. The world is watching with grave concern as Russia has positioned its military in a way that could lead to further incursions into southern and eastern Ukraine. Putin, chastised to his face today by the UN Secretary General for grabbing Crimea, immediately fired back. Now, one possible solution to what's going on now is that if there is a peace agreement, the peace agreement that Putin could have got before the war was that Ukraine would never join NATO. I think now, if Ukraine embarks on a peace agreement with Russia now that it's winning the war, part of its price would have to be that it does join NATO so that it has really enforceable security guarantees for the future. What are we to make of the fact that these missiles have landed on Polish territory? So the Poles, backed by the Americans, are engaged in very intense investigation. Now, it, it is the case that I think in the West where too early to declare victory against the Russians. Putin still has a lot of things he could do. And I don't think that he will accept complete humiliating defeat. And one way of not accepting that would be to escalate somewhere. Now, there are different ways that he might escalate. One way that we've seen a lot of speculation about in the media lately is that he could use a tactical nuclear weapon. I don't think he'll do that because at the moment there are a whole lot of non-Western countries that are trading with him very heavily, India, Vietnam, and of course, above all, China. And so he's still making good money and still financing his country. So those countries might stop trading with him if he uses a nuclear weapon. Nonetheless, if he's desperate, anything is possible. Another way that he could escalate would be to strike a NATO target, but claim it's a Ukrainian target. You're right to say that's madness because attacking NATO is crazy. On the other hand, it would pose a very grave dilemma for NATO. What exactly do you do to respond? You couldn't let it go without a response. And I guess what you would do is triple down, quadruple down on the military assistance you're giving to Ukraine. But I think NATO would be very cautious and prudent about attacking Putin directly 
in return because you could get what they sometimes call a spiral of escalation. And the only way Russia can escalate against the might of NATO would be through nuclear weapons. Not suggesting NATO would do nothing, but this would be a very grave moment for the world and for NATO if Putin deliberately struck a target within a NATO nation. Stay with us. After the break, Greg Sheridan explains how you solve a problem like Poland when the world's leaders are assembled in our backyard. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Greg, of course, in more innocent times 48 hours ago, we were all looking at new hope at the relationship with China. Anthony Albanese having a meeting with Xi Jinping in Bali on the sidelines of that meeting. How does this change the calculations for China in relation to Taiwan and therefore our region? Does it make it more likely, do you think now, that we're going to see some sort of conflict over Taiwan? Very complex set of calculations involved there. So firstly, on the Xi-Albanese meeting, it's good that that takes place, but it doesn't change any underlying strategic reality. We're still basically in conflict with China over their dominance of the South China Sea, their cyber espionage and cyber attacks and interference in Western politics, our determination they won't own any of our critical infrastructure and our insistence on raising human rights issues. The fact that they've got two of our citizens arbitrarily in detention as hostage diplomacy, they've still got billions of dollars worth of trade bans levied on us and a million other things. So the meeting was good, but it doesn't really change any fundamentals. The Chinese calculation on Taiwan, at one level, they'll see how Russia assumed a quick victory in Ukraine and was frustrated. They'll see that the West is much more resolute than they thought. That will give them pause for thought. Overall, I think the net result is it will make them a little more cautious. On the other hand, they might also take the opposite conclusion. They might say, well, Russia made such a mess of this by signalling their intentions first and then by not winning a quick victory. If we do something, we're not going to tell anyone until it happens. So I don't think the Chinese are going to abandon the Russians in any substantial way. I don't think they're going to stop trading with the Russians. But they expected Russia to win this war quickly. They're embarrassed by Russia's military failure and by how long it's gone on and by global opinion swinging so heavily against Russia. At the same time, the war in Ukraine has revealed not only a brilliant military effort by Ukraine, but unexpected resolve and unity in the Western community of nations. And of course, that's something that China itself is taking very profound notice of as it mulls whether to invade Taiwan. But just as China's aggressive action in recent years 
has produced very strong solidarity amongst allied nations in the Indo-Pacific. China brought all that about by its aggressive diplomacy. Similarly with Putin, the one thing Putin said he didn't want was the expansion of NATO on his borders. Well, he's produced it with his ill-thought-out invasion of Ukraine, and he's probably exhausted and ruined his own military exposed its weakness, probably weakened his own situation, damaged his own economy. So all of these bad consequences have come about directly as a result of Putin's own actions. They might also feel that time is not actually on their side. You know, the Americans are dispersing, modernising and hardening their forces in the Indo-Pacific. Japan and Australia and South Korea are engaged in military expansion And China might feel that it has a window of opportunity. Xi Jinping is also in his late 60s. He wants to take control of Taiwan while he's still in office and still at the height of his powers. So, you know, there are arguments within China at the highest level, both in favour of rapid action, which has enormous risks, and in favour of delayed action and seeing if they can somehow or other intimidate Taiwan into negotiations without actually having to go to war. Greg Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor. An inquest into the death of Walpuri teenager Kumanjai Walker heard yesterday from Zachary Rolfe, the police officer who shot Walker after he threatened police with a machete. Rolfe refused to answer many of the questions from counsel assisting the inquest on the grounds of avoiding self-incrimination. You can read all about it right now at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases... Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.